What is up, my friends? My name is Easton Hartzell. I'm joined here with Stephen Harper. Brother Harper, how are you doing? I'm great, Easton. Thank you. Good. I'm glad. You guys are listening to the CES Letters, where we tackle the different questions and concerns found in the CES letter and try and find intellectual answers to those questions. Brother Harper, could you just explain to us briefly what is the CES letter? It's a document that was published online in 2013, written by Jeremy Runnels, a return missionary, a BYU student, who had found facts of church history and uh, things that um, you know disrupted his faith, things he hadn't heard before, didn't know about when he went on his mission. And so he prepared this document for a, a CES leader somebody who taught in the church educational system, um, hoping with his grandfather who introduced him to this person that this, this teacher could help him find the answers to his questions. Uh, he shared the document online and it's gone on to be widely read and used and cited by many as reasons why the church is not what it claims to be and so forth. And I came to uh, awareness of the letter not long after it was published and had asked all those questions you know myself for years in my in my work and my before I ever had this job I was asking those questions and seeking the answers because that's what I have to do mm-hmm. and I, it, it broke my heart really because I wished that Jeremy could have had the same experiences I had Right, I got to be taught by the founding fathers of First Vision Scholarship, the finest church historians we've ever had, Ivy League educated professors, Milton Backman, Richard Anderson, Richard Bushman, John Welch, others. And I wished that Jeremy could have had that experience because that kind of education did situated me to not be disrupted in the same way he was, right? We learned the same facts. We had similar experiences, except that he didn't have anybody to help him think slowly through the facts, as as one psychologist calls it. Uh, Whereas I had the very finest mentors you could have, and and that resulted in a completely different outcome. Mm -hmm. I have rock-solid faith, still lots of unanswered questions, Mm rock-solid faith in the restoration and Jeremy doesn't at this point so this is my attempt however feeble to to tell to express my love to him and and to everyone else and to say I'd like to if you've got these kind of questions I've been where you're at and I'd like to help you think through them so I love that Um, one thing that I do I think it's really important to recognize that a lot of our listeners are going to be at similar places as him. I think a lot of our target audience is is people who do have those questions, who struggle with their faith, who have these weird historical things pop up and they get confused and they get concerned. I myself have come across stuff sure. and it is a little bit disheartening when those things first come. What would you be saying? What would you be um, motivating them to do yeah. if they started to have those questions right now? I think the first thing I would want them to know is that's not unusual. Mm-hmm. You're not weird. You're not, um, you know, unusually wicked. There's not some sort of something wrong. 
this is growing up. Mm -hmm. um, this is the path that all of us take in one way or another. Yeah. Really, it's your story unfolding, right? In any kind of story, the, the protagonist is, sets out on a journey and that journey gets rocky. You encounter obstacles uh, out of the blue, things develop that set you back. And so if you're not having anything like this happen on your faith journey, you're, you're kind of living a boring story, mm -hmm. which might be the case if, if you know, you've never, if you've never inquired, what, what do we know about the first vision? How do we know? What do we know about the book of Abraham? Where did it come from? Mm -hmm. If we've never asked, then we've maybe been going tranquilly down the life's uh, life stream. But when we dig into those things, uh, we find that the answers are complex, the answers are incomplete, and we just need some help. Usually most of us need some help to learn how to differentiate things as simple as facts from interpretations of the facts. Mm -hmm. We sometimes need help recognizing when we're assuming as compared to knowing. And um, these are the first things we want to do is just sort of take a deep breath and not panic mm -hmm. and, and then make a systematic approach to mm -hmm. learning the truth and, and getting to the bottom of these things as best we can. I love that. One thing you did just mention that I'd like you to highlight, maybe explain a little bit more, is you said you, we need to recognize what we know and how we know it. What do you mean yeah. by that? Well, it's a great question. Um, we often think we know things that we don't know. Mm -hmm. And one reason for that is heuristics. Heuristics are mental shortcuts that all people use. Um, this is based on the psychological work of Daniel Kahneman and his colleagues. Um, they published enormously like landscape changing studies that showed, for example, that expertise is often deeply flawed. Um, uh, they, do, they did studies where they asked 100 people, are you an above average driver? And always they get 90 plus percent or so. Mm -hmm. So that's because if somebody asks you or me, are you an above average driver? I can either do all the hard work that would be required the data gathering, the analysis mm -hmm. to figure that out, or I can just do a mental shortcut. Well, yeah, I'm an above average. I, I didn't cut anybody off like that jerk the mm -hmm. other day, and I haven't had a ticket in six months or whatever. So I'm not really knowing if I'm an above average driver, right. but I'm pretending I know. I'm telling myself I know. I'm giving myself the illusion that I know based on a mental shortcut. They call that thinking fast. Mm -hmm. And it's our default mode. It's perfectly fine for going about your day-to-day -day routine. Yeah. But it's a dreadful way to get to the bottom of issues like the ones raised in the CES letter. Mm -hmm. To do that, we have to think slow. And thinking slow means we have to, first of all, figure out what are the facts? What are the verifiable facts? and. A historically verifiable fact is is one that is the same regardless of what camp or party or church you belong or don't belong to. Mm -hmm. So for example, in this way of thinking, it's not a verifiable fact that 
John the Baptist restored to, to Joseph Smith, the priesthood on May 15, 1829, it's a verifiable fact that Joseph Smith testified mm -hmm. that John the Baptist restored the priesthood on May 15, 1829. It's, a, it's an important difference. Yeah. Now, I believe John the Baptist restored that, but I couldn't prove that with the historical method. Mm -hmm. It's not verifiably um, showable based on just my historical tools. The historical record, though, clearly shows evidence that Joseph Smith testified that. I need to know that. I need to know the difference between the verifiable facts and how people interpret them. Yeah. The facts don't interpret themselves. We give them meaning. Mm -hmm. What does it mean that Joseph Smith claimed that John the Baptist restored the priesthood to him? Well, it means he was uh, ordained by an angel, the, mm -hmm. the man who baptized Joseph Smith. He clearly is authorized by God to baptize. Or it means he was lying. He was claiming authority uh, late or mid-1830s to shore up his, you know, um, his reputation or whatever. Those are two interpretations of the exact same evidence. Yeah. And many people don't realize that the evidence is not the same as interpretation. And they need to learn to think slow enough to identify facts of what they are and to pull them apart from their interpretations. And then to explore the various interpretations and pick ones that account for the facts best. Mm -hmm. um, and be tentative we're not we're not in a position sometimes to know how to interpret all the evidence right. and we need to wait on that and keep keep looking so those are the beginning ideas behind what you know and how do you know it mm -hmm. if a person can't give a good answer to how they know then they don't really know mm -hmm. I love that um, one thing I've loved working with and studying with Brother Harper is the fact that every single thing that we go through, you can ask yourselves those questions. Since we were primary children, we were taught one thing, and a lot of the things we taught, we were taught aren't necessarily correct. They were the simple ways to teach a three-year-old, but now that we're young adults and becoming actual adults, we're going to start to recognize that it's just not that simple. There's mm -hmm. more complexity to the issues that we talk. When we face that complexity, what recommendations do you have to us? Oh, that's a great question. Um, one thing is to not not be afraid of it, mm -hmm. right? This this isn't something you have to run from like a dread disease or be afraid of. This is just growing up. Mm -hmm. You can no more run from it than you can puberty or something, right? Mm -hmm. And puberty's hard. Yeah. Um, I don't know about your experience. Yeah, Let's not, not get easy. into details, uh -huh. but but it's tough. It's a tough passage, and and similarly, as we grow up, we necessarily realize that things are more complex. This is because when we're children, we have a simple view of the truth. It's not that it's not true, but there are simple truths combined with ideals. Mm -hmm. um, this is what I'm saying now is based on Marie and Bruce Hafen's really important book, uh, Faith is Not Blind. Great so, yeah. Uh, so an example I sometimes use is, I am a child of God, and he has sent me here, has given me an earthly home with parents kind and dear. Mm -hmm. Well, there are some simple truths there. I'm a child of God, parents kind and dear, not everybody has mm -hmm. that. And, you know, that would be ideal, but that's far from the reality for a lot of people. 
and it's a complex reality. Sometimes the person who teaches you that you're a child of God and he has sent you here is also the dad who is a jerk to you or, yeah. or abuses you or, or is, is a confusing model of priesthood authority and unrighteous dominion. And, and so, so the reality is way more complex mm -hmm. than the simple truth. That is true for every subject under the sun. That's true for everything. Mm -hmm. That's true for mathematics, right? It's true for literature. Um, so people should not, part of the time, part of the problem is that we have uneducated expectations. Mm -hmm. If we suppose that our faith is going to just go through life without any challenges or any complexity, that's a naive thing. Mm -hmm. Naivety is part of the problem. We don't expect to go from third grade to eighth grade to college studying math and, and assume it's not going to get more complex or right. I'm not going to learn anything that, that changes the way I thought. No astrophysicist thinks, well, I now know everything about the universe. There's no point in asking more questions. Mm -hmm. uh, in every field, people expect it to get more complex. And that's people should have that expectation for their study of the church's past, the church's present. It's complex. Mm -hmm. um, God's complex. History's complex. Any personality is very complex. A jumble of contrasting uh, things. Joseph Smith called contrarities, in fact. So anyway, I guess the point here then is to say that people should expect that as they grow up, just like going through puberty presents new challenges and mm -hmm. so forth, you're going to come to a place where you start to see that there's more complex facts and explanations than you had previously known about. It's tempting to blame someone else when that mm -hmm. happens. Why didn't they teach me this or that? I'm not sure who they is, but um, it's better not to try to blame someone. It's better to, to grow into mm -hmm. that ability. It's better to have the great blessing I did to say, I want to devour this stuff. I need to learn everything there is to know about, about this history of this church. Mm -hmm. And who can teach me that? Who can show me the documents? Who can teach me how to read them? Uh, I wish everybody had that opportunity yeah. like I did. And I think that's partly what we're trying to do with these this whole CES Letters series is to give people those opportunities. Something I love that you talked about in your BYU speech is you had that great professor and you said, what can I do to become like you? And she said, get a PhD. <laughs> and while we're not actually going through a PhD um, course to get there, but that's kind of what our goal is throughout this whole series is going through the different questions, concerns, and getting to as deep of, of a place as we possibly yeah. can. Just to preface for each and every one of you guys listening is we're going to be talking about things such as um, polygamy and polyandry. We're going to be talking about the restoration of the priesthood, temple and Freemasonry, the first vision, Book of Mormon, translation, witnesses, testimonies, etc., etc. A bunch of different things we're going to be talking about. And we're going to be diving deep into these topics. We're going to try and get from our simplicity right now to the other side of complexity to understand and recognize what is the truth of these ideals. We're going to be going with and studying with different um, church historians, professors, and the smartest of the smartest people. And we're not just going to be coming from a, a, f a 
faith-filled standpoint, while we are, we're also going to be coming from an intellectual standpoint, striving to find what is the, the truth of these things. When you do recognize and understand how to read those documents, and when you've read from the best books, what is that truth? So I guess, Brother Harper, as we kind of finish things up, what, what are you most excited for, for our listeners moving forward? What would you recommend to them? Oh, there's, there's a feeling of delight mm-hmm. that comes when you understand that this, this seeking learning by study and by faith out of the best books, it's exhilarating. Mm-hmm. It's endlessly interesting. Um, it's full of tension, right? It's full of, of complex tensions, questions that can be answered but are hard to answer or, mm-hmm. or questions that can't currently be answered. So there are lots of, of frustrating things about it, but the quest is so cool mm-hmm. and the truth is so valuable and worthwhile. Joseph Smith said that he felt like he should be right about matters that involve eternal consequences. Mm -hmm. And what I'm most excited about is trying to help people who want to know the truth, the truth associated with eternal consequences, Mm -hmm. trying to help them get a tool here or a tool there or a way to think here or an insight there that could help them get through their complexities and, and taste the simplicity on the other side that is, um, I want them to know that simplicity on the other side exists. Mm-hmm. The people who know this stuff best are often the ones who are there mm-hmm. and who know the way. And I uh, want to invite anybody who wants to to come along and join us on that trip. Cool. Well, my friends, join us on that quest. You can listen wherever you get your podcast. Or we're also going to have different letters, responses to the questions and concerns found in the CES letter. You can find those at the website. The link for that website will be posted below, either in the show notes or in the description of this video. My friends, we are on this quest together, and I promise and I testify that you will find simplicity to your complex questions and concerns. It might be a hard journey. It might be a heart-aching journey but I promise we'll get there. My name is Easton. I'm with Brother Harper. You're listening to CES Letters, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you very much.